1: Freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dazzling Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. How's it going?
2: Not bad. Two days until I'm on vacation.
1: Yep. I've got work. I got my days off as we're recording, which final Wednesday of the... Well, final Wednesday that we record. We're moving recordings to Fridays now, which means shows are going to get moved to a weekend release, which puts pretty much all the shows I'm involved with on on the weekend. So just follow us to the weekend. Kind of almost there anyway. The way it's been crazy around here. Um, let's see. Uh, we got the holidays coming up, so no show next week, uh, but we will be back, uh, what is that, January, uh, the first weekend after New Year's, around the 5th, 5th, 6th, we're back, something like that? I think so, yeah. So... Um, but yeah, if I remember right, you went and saw uh Aquaman
2: I did indeed uh we went uh we did the uh <clears throat> amazon prime early showing of it uh last weekend, and uh yeah, so I saw it early ha <laughs> suckers
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell us how you really feel uh-huh.
2: <laughs> and uh <clears throat> well. <sighs> Here's what I will say. It was better than most of the other DC stuff. Uh not quite as good as Wonder Woman. Overall, not bad. Uh a little over stylized for me. Um there were points where I got a little too much with Atlantis and everything just but uh overall I enjoyed it. It wasn't bad. Okay. I thought uh Jason Momoa did a good job as as Aquaman and there was some good stuff in there, and there was a lot of um, there was a lot of influences from other movies uh, that you could definitely see in there. Some some obviously some Little Mermaid, of course, you know, which makes sense. A little Pirates of the Caribbean influence, things like that. Okay. So basically, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Uh.
1: Well, before we go any further, joining us on the line is Jamie Bernadette. She just appeared on Midnight Texas in a in a pretty major role. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Jamie?
0: I'm doing great, thank you. How are you?
1: We're doing good. So, tell us a little bit about um, the role that you had, uh, or about your role on Midnight Texas.
0: Well, I played Peaches, a vampire who gets into trouble with. BG, the good witch on the show, who turns very, very bad. So, yeah, basically, um, yeah, yeah, basically, she fools myself and uh, another vampire into going home with her then. So we think that we're getting busy and actually, really, she's tricking us so that they can steal our
1: powers. Ah, uh, oh. the old bait and switch.
0: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: now, you were saying before we brought you on that this was a, a one episode um, situation. Any chance that she may be coming back in the future?
0: Well, I mean, never say never. There was a scene that was written in that we actually ended up not shooting. You know, sometimes it's a time thing. They can only fit so much in, in an episode or have to get rid of something. But um, there was a scene where... <laughs> I come back and I'm human now because my powers have been taken. So, you know, I didn't die in the episode or anything like that. So it's always a possibility.
2: Options are always open, which is a great
1: thing.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it was an interesting episode.
0: It was a what?
2: It was an interesting episode.
0: Yeah, it, it was interesting. It's it's actually a very um intricate show. There's there's a lot of storylines, a lot going on, and a lot to keep track of for sure.
2: Mm. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the show, but I haven't watched it in a little while. I'm a little behind. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I actually haven't seen all of season two at all either because I was filming in Oregon and then I was filming in South Africa and one pre production for a film there. So, and I just got back. So I hadn't seen season two. And they don't let you read all the other episodes when they book you. So, you know, I only knew my episode.
2: (laughs) Oh, so you have no idea where it's fitting in on the, uh, in the, excuse me, in the rest of the season yet?
0: No, I do because um, I was briefed by someone. So like before I started doing all these interviews. Yeah, I had just gotten back from Africa and I went right into um, doing interviews and preparing for the release of this episode. So so I was briefed um, on what was happening that season. Yeah.
1: OK, I was kind of going back through your um, IMDb some and you've got an interesting past with kind of the genre we like with the the um like american pie-esque style films mm-hmm. how how'd you get into that type of that type of genre
0: well i did that in 2010 um i was in a a movie called milf that the asylum did it was yeah very american pie very, very um silly and um <laughs> i auditioned and and they cast me and that was yeah the start of my relationship with the asylum actually um Um, And then that director, Scott Wheeler, pulled me in for a similar film he directed called Celebrity Sex Tape. Again, another American Pie type film, hilarious movie, um, but in a, a small role that, you know, so he pulled me in and got me in that one. And that was, oh, that must have been 2011, I'm thinking. So, yeah, I haven't really done anything of that genre since we're Uh in 2019 almost so it's been a while eight years but yeah
1: do you you miss it
0: um i mean i love comedy so i always have fun with comedy (laughs) and there's just not as much comedy as there is um dramas and and horror and thrillers so anytime Mm -hmm. i get to do comedy it's it's always a joy
2: i they they say that comedies can be more difficult to do sometimes because you're trying to be funny. You ever did you find that or? Yeah, you know,
0: I I know what you're talking about. We as actors, we kind of can have a tendency to want to be funny when we're in a comedy and I have learned through experience that I don't think that's what you want to do but it depends also on the type of comedy if it's an over-the-top comedy yeah you know you're you're being overly dramatic and you know <laughs> um, but if it's a if it's a, it's a regular comedy I think usually it's better to err on the side of just being natural and the lines will be funny you don't have to try to make them funny um, if that makes sense or the situations are funny I remember there was a scene actually in a drama I did called The Furnace earlier this year in Africa and the director great director um, Daryl Root he's an Oscar nominated director there was a scene that was written and it was written to be funny but I was like kind of making it funny you know what I mean a little bit and he said Jamie don't do that just deliver the line straight and he caught it right away and I said okay but that's a good lesson to learn, I think, um, you know. But, yeah, and I did a comedy called Smothered by Mothers that also just came out. Um, great film. But, yeah, I played that one straight. I filmed that a few years ago, but I played that one pretty straight without trying to be this obnoxious, funny character, you know.
2: Right. Yeah. <sighs>
1: Um just realized there's a question I wanted to ask about Midnight Texas. How how did you feel about um playing peaches? I mean, was it something that wasn't much of a stretch for you or um
0: Um I always wanted to play a vampire. It was my dream role. So I felt like I really fell into it and loved it. <laughs> <laughs> So, and when I watched it, I was like, yeah, you know, I like me as a vampire. I want to do this again. Yeah, I had great fun with it. I mean, when you get to play a vampire, I mean, man, you get to have fun because a vampire can do anything, you know, versus if you're playing like a regular person, I think being natural is the is number one and being real and true to what you're saying and the emotions that you're feeling. But being a vampire, now you can really go out on a limb, you know?
2: Yeah, I can I can definitely see
1: where that would be fun yeah the the only the only other downfall i can see about being a vampire it's a job that sucks
0: the job (laughs)
2: yeah
1: (laughs) i know typical me Uh,
2: anyway
1: Uh, what's been outside of midnight texas what's been some of your favorite uh projects that you've worked on
0: i love the furnace um which i mentioned i did in africa earlier this year it was a most difficult film i've ever done by far but it was very rewarding and I, i worked with a phenomenal director um and i grew so much personally and and in my craft in in that film and i've since seen the movie i saw the producer sent me an early Link. Actually, I just watched it like a week and a half ago and I cried, cried. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible to cry at my own movie because it's hard for me to get into my own films um, especially like if I'm the lead because um, it's I just watch myself and I'm like oh gosh or you know it's hard to watch myself so I, the fact that we reached the I was reaching the end of the film I just started bawling and crying through the scenes and it was like crazy and other people who've seen it said they've cried too and they've all said they've cried so I'm hoping it hits audiences in a very powerful way if it can make me cry you know when I'm watching myself <laughs> which is so distracting terribly distracting and hopefully it'll move audiences i mean it's a phenomenal story a, a very inspirational story
2: so that, that 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 brings up two questions in my mind uh number one is was it so difficult because of the of the story or um uh, was- what specifically was? hmm
0: yeah, it was difficult emotionally and physically. I was playing a, a girl who loses the use of one of her lungs. And when we shot it, as 98% of movies are shot, not in order. So we're jumping all over the script. And my lung, actually what happens when you lose the use of a lung is the other lung will expand in the chest cavity to, to um, compensate. So we're jumping all over in the script. And I had to know where where my breathing was at, where I was at physically, each scene. So I had to know where I was coming from and then and piece this together. And you know, in my mind knew exactly where I was at physically. And then every day, pretty much on that film, there was some kind of emotional scene. I'm not talking like emotional where I'm crying my eyes out every day. Not that, but there was more were those scenes too. But where I'm emo I'm a I was an emotionally distraught character. You know, I held it in a lot and tried to hide it, but I have to get to a place mentally where I can show that and have it be truthful. so for me to get to that place mentally, take some mental leg work, like I spent almost that whole film off in a corner by myself, <laughs> um, you know, and people learned that about me, gave me my space and and respected that so yeah it was just one of those emotionally tough films like i lose my husband in it too he dies like right in the beginning of the film in this car accident and that's how i lose one of my lungs so i'm coming back and i'm just a complete case of apathy and then i train and build up and run this race and everything in the african um desert
2: okay that's cool so the other the other question i had then was um so are, are you one of the type of actors, if you watch your own stuff, you, you pick out what, what you feel like you did wrong or could change or could do better or mm-hmm. something like that? Mm.
0: Always. Always. Very <laughs> critical of myself. Very. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah, I hear that from a lot of different actors. They always say that. So, some, can, some can just watch themselves like it's no big deal, but a lot when they watch themselves, they, they tend to do that
0: yeah yeah a lot don't like to watch themselves <laughs> that's for sure like johnny depp natalie portman i mean some big actors
2: yeah it's even i just heard a uh an interview with alan alda the other day and he was saying the same thing Hmm. wow wow so that's good company yeah
0: yeah <laughs> <clears throat>
1: So besides acting, have you, is there another direction you you want to go in the entertainment business? or?
0: Well, I've produced a couple of feature films. One's coming out on January 11th to Cinemark Theaters. And then it'll be released on video on demand January 15th. So I produced it. I co-wrote it. And I, and I lead the cast. So that movie's called The Sixth Friend. And then I produced another feature called State of Desolation. And I lead the cast as well. Um, so, yeah, I've done that. At, and it's possible I could produce in the f- future again. I mean, I've talked about it with some different producers like teaming up and so we'll see what happens, you know? Um, but yeah, I've been so busy with acting and producing is a full, full, full time job. <laughs> oh, that goes on for, for a long time, you know, because <laughs> you're trying to sell it and you know, it just goes on and on. So I don't know. We'll see, but I write too. Um, you know, it's a possibility of me writing more scripts and things as well.
2: Who are some well, of your. That would be the perfect <laughs> to get a movie you want to do is to write it yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. I should write a vampire movie because I want to play more vampire roles.
1: <laughs> that's not a bad idea. No, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> who, who's who been some of your inspirations?
0: Oh, man, um, like like actors or
1: um. Um, for acting, for directing, for writing.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Sally Field. Natalie Portman does great work. Kate Winslet, um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, I love Darren Aronofsky as a director and Boz Lerman. So yeah.
2: Okay. Good choice.
1: Yeah, great choices. Mm hmm. Thanks. Um, what are some of the upcoming projects you're working on that you can talk about? I know that you're you're on some that you're you're still under um, the non-disclosure where you can't discuss things. Uh, what are some that you can talk about?
0: Uh, well, I mentioned the sixth friend that's coming out, and then I'm in The Wrong Teacher. Um, it's coming out on Lifetime on December, Lifetime Network, December 28th. I'm briefly in Vice um, with Sam Rockwell. How much of what we did made the cut? Because we improv for hours, but it looks yeah. like, because it was um, on Jimmy Kimmel show and one other talk show in the past week, and it it looks like it looks like the takes a user from, from Amy Adams viewpoint, So it's kind of far away. So I don't know what's gonna make the film, but um, but yeah, I'll be seen in that. Uh... What else? Mother by Mothers is a, a comedy with Heather Matarazzo of Princess Diaries and Welcome to the Dollhouse, and Burt Young from the Rocky movies. Um, has a great cast, uh, and that just came out recently, so people can. It's a really funny story. Played our, the lead is Shannon Brown. He plays a football star who has all these women come and say that they're pregnant with his baby, and then <laughs> they move into his house. And I'm playing his <laughs> assistant. Um, and we have chemistry in the film, too. And it's, I don't know if it's all this twisted, but it's hilarious. It's on iTunes and Amazon right now. It'll be coming on more um, video on demand in the future. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> What's that? Um, and then I have Ice Spin on Your Into. 2019 it's a has the original writer director Mayor Zariki and the original actress Camille Keaton plays so both Camille and Mayor come back it's been a long wait for people um you know have i everyone asking me when it's coming out definitely 2019 um I don't know all the details of what's happening but it it's the release has been pushed But I did see a rough cut of the film it plays like the night of the original and it seems like that you know um because it would it would be like the the original in a lot of ways so and it's where like, that film left off but many years later okay can you hear me okay yeah yeah okay
1: yeah. Okay. okay now um, you were saying on, on Skype before we came on that you're in a, a remote area and you're in Skype's not a, a big fan of where you're located so mm-hmm. it, it, it's there, there there's so some, moment, some moments we we've gotten you choppy then all of a sudden it catches up and that's that's almost just as entertaining on its own um, hmm. a, 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 as, the, as the fees catch up um, but you now we're, we're chatting with Jamie Bernadette, um, who was just recently on Midnight Texas. Now, this isn't the first TV show you were on. You also no. ha- you also did a role on uh, NCIS New Orleans,
0: right? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, I played Kaylee um, Tilford. I was. <laughs> like a Russian spy type trying, trying to pretend I was a college student. Um, so yeah, I had a big fight scene and um, and then I was uh, questioned by Scott Bakula on the episode.
1: Yeah. How was it working with uh, S- Scott Bakula?
0: Oh, he's so nice. Just very <laughs> giving actor, very complimentary, you know, like just really, really sweet. Just telling me what a great job I did throughout the take and That's he's up. really wonderful.
1: We're- yeah. Um, Were you ever afraid, Sam? Sam was, or uh, yes, Sam Rockwell was going to show up and want to take Scott back in (laughs) way, and and blame it on this thing called Ziggy.
0: (laughs) Very worried. Um, If the reception's bad, I could go on. I'm not on Wi-Fi. I could try Wi-Fi, and you could no, call me no, back.
1: No, we're we're doing good.
0: We're doing okay. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, we we, we got the disclaimer out there, so I mean, we're good. Our li- our listeners are pretty good with us about that. They don't harp on us too much. Okay. So, good. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're doing
0: fine.
2: Okay. Great. So. I also see uh you're in an interesting movie called uh Jim and the Holograms
0: no i wasn't in that actually <laughs> I've asked oh, I've really? taken off on the uh <laughs> somebody keeps putting that yeah. on there but mm, that's yeah weird. no, yeah,
2: actually that's good because I was getting, I was wondering uh <laughs> what that would have been like.
0: Yeah. No, I wasn't.
2: I haven't seen it, but I've not heard good things.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So who, who's been uh, some of your favorite directors to work with?
0: I loved working with Daryl Root, you know, from The Furnace. And I just went to Africa, too, to work with him again. They cast me as a lead in their next film, the production company down there, Daryl directing again. And we did a whole bunch of reproduction stuff there, like interviews and photo shoots and table reads and rehearsals and meeting the cast and so I'm going back to shoot that next year and work with him again. He's absolutely lovely. I he's brilliant too. Like his film yesterday was nominated at the Oscars for best foreign film. Um, oh wow! Yeah, hmm. and his film Little One almost got into Oscars too. And his films have been into the Toronto Film Festival, like five or six of them. So he's just brilliant and just my gosh, he makes good movies. So that was a a highlight of 2018 for me for sure
2: oh that's awesome so how, how was it working in africa
0: Oh, man, I love it. I actually love South Africa. I, I love the people. They're really down to earth They're kind. Like, I mean, I made some of my best friends that I have now um, in South Africa, both when I went for the furnace. And then when I went this last time when I just got back. Um, the film is called Here No Evil that we're filming next year. Um, oh, man, I just it seriously both times being there was a trip of a lifetime. And it utterly changed me as a person. I, I learned so So much. I think when you travel to, you get a lot of perspective and change your viewpoint about things and have a chance to see things how they really are. And so, no, it's, it was absolutely incredible. And I love the culture. I love the food. Like, I don't know, I just love it there. You know how you go some places and you just feel at home. It was like that. Yeah, it was like that for me in South Africa. And since I've come back, I just want to go back again. (laughs) it's it's like an addiction my sister and i talk about it she's addicted to the country jordan she's been back i think three times in the last eight months wow so yeah it's just some places will do that to you and south africa for me is one of those
1: places what are are some of your other favorite places to go uh for location shoot?
0: um I mean, some other places that I've been that I love, I I love Hawaii. I love, I went to St. John, U.S. Virgin Islands. So beautiful there. Um, I liked shooting in Oregon when I just shot there for a movie called Nicole, Her and the Killer. It's like a horror comedy. Um, And Oregon was really a neat state and I've always wanted to go there. So that was great. That was right before I went to South Africa. Like I flew after that film from Oregon to South Africa.
2: (laughs) So you've got some uh, some great titles in the movies that you're doing.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, what's it like being part of
1: the uh, I Spit on Your Grave franchise?
0: oh man that was incredible it was just one of those surreal things I mean I remember being two weeks into the shoot and being like am I really here is this really happening um I wanted that role so badly like I I saw the casting notice and I thought oh I'll submit to this but I won't get it but I'll push the button and then they requested me sending a tape I sent a tape and then they requested me to come back in for in-person callback and I thought if I meet Mayor Zarki the director of the original 1978 film, I will be happy. Even if I don't book this, I will be happy if I get to meet him. And then I walked into the room and Nair was there. And I was just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) because I knew that (sighs) original film and I was blown away by it. I mean, talk about telling a brutal story with so much truth and rawness that it feels real. Like, Uh. (laughs) he really accomplished something with that. So it was, you know, and then I met him and then then I (laughs) got called in for a third callback that was five hours long read with a bunch of different actors yeah and then it was like a few months of waiting and the producer would call me and he'd ask me a question and then I would hear from him and then he'd call me and ask me another question and it was a lot of back and forth like and then finally I got the call that they cast me as a lead and I cried cried for 20 minutes so it was I wanted that film so badly
2: what? That sounds like a maddening process, though. Yeah.
0: It was intense. I mean, it was, you know, the the sequel is 40 years after the original film. So they were, you know, it, it was a very, it's a very big deal, you know, for them. I mean, they thought, Mayor thought about making that sequel, like, for 40 years. So they, the producer said that for just a handful of roles, it was just a handful of us, that they saw hundreds and hundreds of actors. Wow. I have no idea how I got it. <laughs> oh man no idea I no idea I know it was down to me and two other people and then it was me and one other girl and then they decided me and wow
2: that was very cool I can, I can see why you cried when you found out
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so um trying to think we, we've covered so much so quick <laughs> um so the f- first thing that comes out the schedule to come out for you next year is is what
0: Let's say I have. Vice on December 25th. The small part was Sam Rockwell. And then and then I have uh, The Wrong Teacher on Lifetime Network December 28th. And then I have The Sixth Friend um, on January 11th in Cinemark Theaters in select states. Um, we're still waiting to get the final list of cities that it's going to be in. Okay. And then it'll be on video on demand all over the place January 15th. Um, and then I spit On Your Grave Deja Vu we I don't have a date yet but that's 2019 as well I have several coming out in potentially um, 2019 but but those are the solid dates that I have and people too can see Smothered by Mothers now the comedy it's um iTunes and Amazon right now
1: okay. awesome yeah another great where can people find you online
0: I'm on Instagram I'm very active on, on there I'm really into photography um, so I'm Jamie Bernadette just spelled just like my name um, people will See it; it's a verified account, so they'll know it's me. And then I'm on Twitter, also a verified account, so they'll know that's that the real me. It's uh, Jamie Bernadette without the E on the end. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll find me if um, they just search my name, and then I'm on Facebook. I have, uh, yeah, a personal page that I make pretty much public. Every post is public, so okay. yeah, they can follow
2: me
1: on there as well. Awesome, Derek. You got anything else?
2: Um, no, I, I think we. I think that's all I have.
1: thank you for joining us uh, this week on the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's
1: our pleasure. So um, if you missed it, go on NBC on demand, go check out midnight, Texas and watch uh, the Well, Make sure I get my dates right the december 14th episode of midnight texas so go yeah. check that out um check out the movies that uh, smothered by mothers that's out now uh and, and look out for her other films that are coming out here in the near future again thank you for coming on oh
0: thank you for having me
1: oh it's our pleasure one tell them about the twinkie what about the twinkie well, there's no Twinkies really involved, guys. Uh, it's Derek and Mike again. Uh want to thank Jamie Bernadette for coming on and, and chatting about Midnight Texas and what it was like there and, and some of her other roles she did and what it was like on set for that. So, um, yeah, it was cool. I can't... I need to go back and watch Midnight, Texas again. Watch that episode. It was a fun episode. It really was. So, um, but how about this? Since it's kind of our last show of the year, um, Sci-Fi Wire gives us the worst genre films of 2018. So here are the very bad. The Darkest Minds. Uh, Number four. Blumhouse's Truth or Dare yeah I heard that one wasn't very good number three Ken K-I-N like Ken next of type Hmm. Uh, number two Death Wish yes we are talking about the remake (laughs) which shouldn't have been remade number one Mute Hmm. so uh, any others
2: you think should have been on this list Hmm. not that I can remember now no
1: I I would say, okay, I haven't seen any of these, but I I would put, in all honesty, I would put Death Wish at the top.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was just a bad idea from the beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But there is hope, because we also have the
1: biggest surprises.
2: Well, uh, well, I don't know if all of them are, some of them are hopeful, some of them are not. (laughs) Very true. Uh, both ways. Yeah. So, the biggest surprises, uh, the eight biggest geek surprises of 2018, according to Sci-Fi Wire. Number one, Black Panther making over $1 billion. Um, I don't know. That didn't really surprise me. No. It's a great movie with a lot of... Uh, a A lot of interest if it made a lot less than that that would be a surprise that would have been the surprise Mm. Uh, next next we have the uh solo star wars star you know the solo film So, uh, flop,
1: Star Wars Story.
2: Flopping. That was...
1: Okay, box office, maybe. Yeah. DVD sales, it made up for it.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, we've discussed this many times on Wiki Radio. Yeah. So it, it, I don't... Mm, yeah, I guess it was a little bit of a surprise just how bad poor uh, in theaters, but... Yeah, but when
1: you've got the vocal minority mm. going out there and and threatening, you know, doing their protests and everything else instead of just accepting the film for what it was because yeah. of how they how they felt about Last Jedi, uh, mm.
2: yeah, 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 uh, very disappointing. Next up, we have the James Gun firing from Marvel. Yeah, that was a that was a surprise. That was definitely, yeah, that was yeah, definitely a surprise, an unfortunate one, but yeah. Ooh. Ah, next up, we have a new Star Trek series starring Jean Luc Picard. Yeah, that is an awesome surprise. It's yes, it is. Seeing Patrick Patrick's back to reprise his role as Jean Luc. I love it. I love it. Ah yes. Next up is Venom. <laughs> um, it says Venom. Good, not good, good, but good. Venom was okay. Th- I have I have many issues with Venom. The first of which being it was Made. it was. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. It was, okay. it was an okay film, but it wasn't a great film. Um, also, the lack of Spider-Man in the, the film is a big problem for me. And the fact that the movie has done well is another big problem because it means that Sony will want to continue on this path they're going on, and it's not going to be good. No. Not going to be good. Uh, Next up, they have Rick dying, but not, and The Walking Dead movie-verse. So, I actually have not been watching Walking Dead this season. Um, I kind of lost interest when I heard that uh, Andrew Lincoln was going to be leaving. And not playing the role of Rick Grimes anymore, I kinda lost interest. Although <laughs> I do kinda wanna catch up on it just to see what happened. Because then they announced or that they they talked about planning to do some Walking Dead movies starring Rick Grimes. Right. So now I'm like, What what are you talking about? So now I I don't know. Now I'm now I kinda wanna go back and check out the season just to see what happened and what where they're at now. Yeah. Uh, Next up, I guess it's a surprise, but not one I care much about. And that is that the Avatar sequels are actually happening, I guess, allegedly. I won't believe it until they're actually in the theaters, but hey, you know, there you go. They're still planning on doing the four sequels. Why? 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 Does anybody even care anymore?
1: No. They only cared long enough when the land opened
2: at Animal Kingdom. (laughs) Outside of that, no. Yeah. Now, here's definitely, this next one's interesting because it was not a surprise, sort of a surprise, then it was a surprise, and now it's a question mark. And that was um, all the cancellations of, like, Marvel series. Yeah, yeah. Um, now when they canceled Luke, when they canceled Iron Fist that was kind of not a surprise because Iron Fist was kind of not not the strongest show we'll say um, and then when they canceled Luke Cage after that I was like okay so I guess that makes sense too Luke Cage was eh, better than Iron Fist but eh, so maybe that'll open up a path for them to do uh, Heroes for Hire and I was like okay and then Daredevil got canceled and that was when I realize, oh, I see what's happening here. Um, Daredevil was, was, of course, their biggest show, their biggest Netflix Marvel show. It was, you know, it did well. It was a good show. And uh, then word came out that it wasn't Netflix who canceled the show, but actually Marvel. And then um, there was a report that came out that Marvel is not allowed to use any of the characters for two years after their shows are canceled. Yeah. According to a clause in the contract. So, could that be why Marvel is canceling them now? Who knows? And then, of course, uh, we know that The Punisher is coming out in January. So, look for that to be canceled in February. <laughs> or even January, as or it even- is. Yes, could be. And Jessica Jones, the third season of that, is currently in post-production. So that will be coming out, and then will be canceled, of course. But that, the, I mean, that's pretty much a guarantee. If if even Daredevil was canceled, yeah. you, know that, you know that it's only a matter of time before The Punisher and Jessica Jones are canceled. Well,
1: it sounds like they're going to fulfill the commitment, but then just go, yeah,
2: done. Yeah, and that... <clears throat> that for me was would be probably my biggest surprise is all that happening and happening kind of quickly too
1: yeah yeah that that has definitely turned into a surprise mm. um it, a i think for me too it's the whole it's they're not gonna be on Disney play they're not gonna be on hulu right so yeah I think that's some of the stuff that kind of hurts.
2: Yeah. So, you know, they'll just be kind of in limbo for the yeah. for the next couple years. It's, uh, yeah, it's disappointing.
1: Yes, it is. But, oh, well, what can we do? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, what we can look forward to is, according to IMDb, half of the shows that are anticipated for 2019 are based on comics. I love it. So, uh, so the list that's coming out. Uh, one, we've got the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming to Netflix next year. Um, while The Watchmen is on HBO, and then Amazon Prime is going to have The Boys. Sci-Fi is going to have Deadly Class to go with its other comic book series, Krypton and Wyona Earp. And Doom Patrol will spin <laughs> out of Titans on DC's Universe app.
2: I just saw a trailer for Deadly Class. It looks uh that pretty interesting. interesting.
1: Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, The Umbrella Academy uh, is written by Jeremy Slater, and it's based on the Dark Horse comic series, um, which tells of the story of a dysfunctional and strange family of superheroes uh, is forced to come together and solve the mystery of their father's murder. Um, the Watchmen will not adapt any specific comics f- from the world of Alan Moore and David Gibbons, but will instead chart new territory within the world. Um, so that can be interesting yeah. uh, the boys is set in a world where superheroes embrace the darker side of their mass of celebrity and fame uh, it involves a group of vigilantes informally known as the boys uh, Delius
2: class. I absolutely, oh, I absolutely love the boys comic book it was written by Darth Garth Ennis it was a great book Of course, being Garth Ennis, it got pretty crazy, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that show. Uh, Daily
1: Class follows a homeless teenager named Marcus after he is recruited to a boarding school for budding assassins. Uh, Of course, this is based on the comic book written by Rick Remender, uh, Remender, who also produces the show. Um, The pilot hits next month, but ComicBook.com has already had a chance to take a look at it, and they feel it's one of the best TV pilots ever for, for comic books really huh. yeah uh, Doom Patrol is a re-imaging of one of DC's beloved group of outcast superheroes um, the the members uh, suffer horrible accidents that give them the, their superhuman abilities <laughs> Um, of course picking up after the events of Titans Doom Patrol will find these uh, reluctant heroes in a place that they never expected to be called to action by none other than Cyborg who comes to them with a mission that's hard to refuse but with a warning that's hard to ignore so that's where we're at with that some good stuff very good stuff
2: I kind of like um I'm I kind of like the ideas of these uh, being TV series instead of just movies. Yeah. So I feel like you can really a lot of them you can really explore them better as a series.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So um but oh,
1: we do have one last story of the year. Of yes, the of the year. It's the um, final story of 2018.
2: The story. Da-na-na-na.
1: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and the final story. meltdown. Wait, yeah. I, I haven't gone talking about cosplayers yet, so
2: let's not let's let's table it till next year on a, on a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we have a good uh, a good story here. It came out on Geek Tyrant. Uh, just in time for Christmas. And uh, Amazon is having a sale on uh, a boatload of Dungeons & Dragons books, which is awesome. Uh, of course, these are the latest the latest edition of the books. Um, so, of course, Dungeons & Dragons is becoming more and more popular these days. Uh, not like the days back when I used to play in high school with my buddies in our basement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, with more people interested in trying it out, but the the core books, as you may be aware, usually cost between forty to fifty dollars. Wow, that's a, little, that's a little expensive. Yes, for for uh, if you take the three main books: the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, and the Monster Manual. Um, It's basically $150. Um, Wow. You can usually find the starter kit for closer to $20, but it comes with pre-made characters, and it's not the full game. So, I mean, you know, that's that's just for people who never tried dungeons and dragons who want to kind of dip their toe in but now is the perfect time to try the most famous tabletop rpg for yourself um for amazon is having an amazing sale on select books including the three core books uh Most of the items for sale can be picked up for less than 15 bucks each. Wow. Yeah. Amazon has a $5 off promotion on physical book titles over $20 when you use the code GIFTBOOK18 at checkout. Uh, Amazon is also offering a bonus 10% coupon on many of the books at checkout. So here's a, a rough list of what we have. Um, Oh, actually, I believe this is the full list. So you can get the Player's Handbook uh, for $17.74 with the promo code GIFTBOOK18. The Dungeon Master's Guide is $13.85 with the promo and 10% coupon. The Monster Manual is $14.02 with GIFTBOOK18 and 10% coupon. The D D starter set is only eleven ninety seven. The Xanthar's Guide to Everything is thirteen sixty seven. Deep Dragon Heist is thirteen ninety eight. Dungeon of the Mad Mage is twenty three twenty eight. The Guildmaster's Guide to Rav- Rav- Ravnic- Ravnica, excuse me, which is the tie-in to Magic the Gathering, is only fourteen dollars and two cents. Canaan's Tome of Foes is fourteen dollars and two cents. Bolo's Guide to Monsters is $13.85. And the Art and Arcana Special Edition is $68.23 with the coupon. Uh, and the Art and Arcana Standard Edition is $25.87. With the wow. Promo. Uh, now, keep in mind, this promotion ends on December 21st. So uh, if you want to do it, you'll a couple Until Sunday. Friday. Friday. Sunday. No, fr- Friday is the 21st. <laughs> I can't count. That is some good deal if you want to if like me you've been waiting to get into the new edition stuff because of the cost. Yeah.
1: Well, do you do you remember when we had uh Act or the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons which mm-hmm. were all the hardbound books and then you went mm-hmm. with uh um what i call it? The uh you you had basic intermediate and advanced Dungeons of Dragons or yeah it's like the version I had basic was red intermediate was a teal or am I thinking Mm -hmm. reverse and then they had their advanced which was totally different than advanced Dungeons of Dragons right it, it was it was wild, but I when I remember playing, I remember having uh, Oriental Adventures, Forgotten Realms, uh, and those were the players' handbooks. Oriental I have fun with. Right. Um, the regular book, Miss the uh, the monsters' handbook or monsters' guide, whatever it was called. Uh, DM's guide, players' handbook. Oh, there was something else. I can't remember what it was. So, but no, that was pretty much it. So, um, any, any final thoughts before we go?
2: Um, well, just, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy new year. All that. Same
1: to you. Uh, And of course I'll see you two more times this week. (laughs) Since you're also one sure. of the field agents on Mighty Marvel Geeks and one of the Smugglers Trio on Wookiee Radio, man, in a couple weeks, it's going to be weird recording this show on a Friday.
2: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we so, might be a little confused for a while. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's insane. So, um, well, if that's going to wrap it up for us, then, uh, there's only one thing left to be said. Want to know more? <laughs> So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weebie Geeks production.
2: It will test your head and your mind and your brain.